0: Luxury goods really tell us something about how we try to perhaps separate ourselves from others, get ahead in life, try to to increase our social mobility. It's really trying to create about trying to create opportunities for ourselves in terms of either economic benefits or or social status benefits.
1: Welcome to the Ripple Effect, the podcast that takes you on a journey through the minds of Wharton faculty. I'm your host, Dan Loney. And in each episode, we'll be diving deep into the inspiration behind the groundbreaking research that Wharton professors have conducted and exploring how their findings resonate with the world today. So get ready to dive into new ideas with The Ripple Effect. The world of luxury retail is whispering a new tale. Luxury, once the exclusive realm of the affluent, now beckons a broader audience. Elite brands remain as enticing as ever, but there's a twist in the plot. Value isn't just in what we own, but in the experiences we embrace and the lifestyles we lead. Today, we're guided through this evolving narrative with Pinar Yildirim. Well, while retail overall seems to be hitting some headwinds with an up-and-down economy, it appears that luxury retail is not. Sales appear to be strong, and companies are even doubling down on bricks-and-mortar footprint that they feel is necessary. Where does luxury retail stand right now? With more on that, pleasure to be joined by Pinar Yildirim, who is an associate professor of marketing here at the Wharton School. Pinar, great to talk to you. How have you been?
0: I've been great, Dan. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you. And and so where we stand with luxury retail right now, it seems like there's a lot of interest about this from the public, from the consumer right now. What do you think is driving this, this want around luxury retail?
0: In my opinion, there's no better way to understand individual psychology or consumer psychology than than luxury goods. Luxury goods on the surface might seem like a a superfluous way of spending your money or simply money burning. But it really gets to how we want to see ourselves and how we want others to see ourselves. It's really about signaling certain qualities or, or certain characteristics about ourselves to ourselves to some extent. At the same time, it's signaling to others. It's a, it's a way of trying to, to uh, consume goods in a way that makes us feel like we belong to a class, have some kind of status, and at the same time make it clear to others or, or try to communicate to others that we belong to a certain class. So it's, it's a really meaningful way of trying to understand individuals and society through the consumption lens.
1: And, and I know you and I have talked in the past about the element to a degree of there being an aspirational element to luxury retail as well.
0: Absolutely. So this is nothing new in in the sense that we have, of course, for centuries, we wanted to signal certain things about ourselves or the the desire to belong to a certain class, whether this is an elite class, whether this is an aristocratic class. People always wanted to signal certain things about themselves. In the past, this was achieved mostly through materialistic consumption, because that's what the, the elite had they had the resources they had the money and Thorsten Veblen had um, observed that uh, the elite the the rich actually do spend their money their resources in terms of time as well in a very leisurely way to be able to signal certain things about themselves and they do it in a way that is very hard for others to replicate or very costly for others to replicate now that used to be the way of living that used to be how we signaled certain things about ourselves or, or desire to signal that we belong to that class, perhaps with the objective of attaining further social mobility. But with the changes in society and the changes in economics, we see now that consumers are no longer relying on very highly materialistic ways of trying to signal their qualities. They are moving on to to other dimensions.
1: So with the onset of e-commerce, how does that play into... What the future of luxury retail is going to be, because there's an element uh, that I mentioned at the top that it seems like there's a connection between luxury retail and the want to have bricks and mortar locations to have that experience, to be there firsthand. How does the dynamic of e-commerce then potentially play in?
0: So I would say that e-commerce has not been as significant in in the luxury markets, uh, maybe compared to some of the other goods the experience, feeling good, feeling part of a, a certain class, and and signaling that to yourself is a very important part of luxury. Therefore, uh, the stores, the experience that you go when you go into when you walk into a luxury store, that has been always a part of um, luxury consumption. Perhaps a bigger part than when you go into a grocery store or when you're shopping for, let's say, books. Uh, so in that sense, e-commerce perhaps has been a lesser, a lesser, maybe less important part of uh, luxury consumption. But we are now starting to see more and more luxury brands try to integrate at least some elements of sales, some elements of experiences into, uh, into e-commerce and even to some of the new technologies, some of the new em- environments, including metaverse.
1: The component uh, uh, of fakes and counterfeits is one that's been around luxury retail for a while. And certainly companies have tried to uh try to take that out as much as they can but it is still there how does that component impact the luxury retail industry in general especially when you think longer term and the benefits they may gain from it at times
0: it's a very important part of luxury consumption of course Luxury consumption or consumption of luxury goods is, it has to be created in a way that it's hard to replicate by others. By the very definition, if I want to show that I have the wealth or the status to be able to attain certain goods, it must be again by definition that it's hard for others to be able to buy that. So counterfeits has been a growing problem in the sense that today's counterfeits are are much better, much higher quality, almost identical to the real thing. That, the AAA, AAA fakes, the, the um, real fake fakes, they are actually very much comparable to the real product. As a result of that, it becomes much harder for people to signal the, the status, signal their ownership of certain uh, brands, certain goods. Uh, and there are really high quality counterfeits in a market, so it puts pressure on on brands. It makes it harder for individuals to be able to to consume the goods in a way that are meaningful to them. What does that imply? That means that people are now going to look for different ways to to try to signal their um, their status. They will look for perhaps different ways of consuming goods. And one of the ways that they try to consume goods is perhaps, actually, perhaps surprisingly, moving away from consumption or trying to reduce the the amount of consumption, luxury goods consumption, uh, compared to what we might have observed in the older days, right? In the past, what, again, is, you know, the the idea of uh, signaling conspicuous consumption, this is all about money burning. This is all about buying items that are very hard for others to buy, expensive goods, and, and lavishly consuming those items. So having many, many of these, this is a, an idea of a maximalist type consumption. Now, what we have been seeing more and more in especially Western societies is a move away from that very lavish consumption. People still do buy luxury goods, but they are trying to reduce the number of items that they buy in perhaps a meaningful way and still a conspicuous way. It's not that they are not trying to show that they are buying luxury. It's Still very conspicuous. It's still very much a signal of belonging to a certain class, but it's a a very opposite, very um, different trend than what we used to see. It's much fewer items. Sometimes that goes along with buying even higher qualities or, or more expensive items, and with this idea of refraining from consumption or reducing the amount of consumption, you are very much doing the same thing that you were trying to do before show that you belong to a certain certain class and have certain status.
1: But I guess for the retailer, by limiting the number of items they may have on a particular run of a product, they obviously add to the value of it just by the number of items that they're actually going to put out on the market in the first place.
0: Yeah, so for the retailers, for luxury managers, this, of course, this these new trends in society or how people are trying to signal their status, signal certain qualities about themselves, these new trends will have implications. So, of course, they might want to focus more on perhaps fewer items in reducing assortment. Uh, at the same time, changing the price of of the products in a way that makes people makes it easier for people or facilitates signaling status signaling for people. So, we'll, we expect to see, of course, changes in prices as well as the assortment. But that being said, this trend. Also, it gives a few different ideas for, I think, luxury goods producers. In a sense, the, the idea of uh, counterfeit, uh, counterfeits and their damage has mostly been focused on how perhaps we should stop counterfeit users from uh, using counterfeits, how we should go and, and just like uh, playing a game, chase every single counterfeiter. Now, what we see, in, based on our research, is that the damage of counterfeiters go beyond just those individuals who switch to counterfeit use. The the behaviors, the habits, the consumption patterns of consumers who purely consume luxury goods is also changing. So if that's the case, a luxury manager has to think even beyond the consumers who consume a counterfeit. We need to think about how those who never consume counterfeits are changing their, their behaviors and their signaling and their consumption patterns as well.
1: How much do... Luxury retailers in the scope of of all of this going on also have to be wary of the brand itself because the brand, whatever it is, has an innate value and and in many cases a higher value than some other brands. And by that, that not necessarily direct connection with counterfeiters, there can be a negative impact on the brand as well, correct?
0: Absolutely, yes. Uh, So when there's a counterfeiter in the market and when that counterfeiter is uh, simply replicating your product to a very very high quality degree and makes produces an identical product, it reduces potentially the value of your brand as well because it reduces the ability of again people who buy the real thing to to show that they belong to 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 a certain class or have certain status. What do you think
1: are the areas that that luxury retail focuses on as we move forward here, knowing where we are kind of as consumers looking for these products uh, as we move ahead.
0: So I think minimalism is a big growing trend. It seems like this becomes a more meaningful consumption from the, the lens of the consumers. They seem to to want to consume perhaps fewer items in a more meaningful way, more conscious way. This also goes along with the with the trends of sustainability or um, going um, becoming anti-consumerist. Um, that's one of the trends and and we see brands, I think, paying attention to these new trends. A second thing, we have as a society moved away from trying to signal values or trying to attain social status, chase social status and social mobility through materialism, right? We have moved away as a society from becoming this very production manufacturing oriented um, culture to a much more um, service economy-oriented population society. So with that came different values of signaling, different status groups, different signals. For instance, having education, having a better job, being able to live a different life because material goods are now much more accessible to a broader set of people. So people are paying attention to, again, signaling cultural assets, uh, their cultural capital. They are paying attention to to showing that they know um, certain things. They are much more knowledgeable about the quality of goods. And that sometimes also turns into what we refer to as quiet luxury. So what does that mean? That means that a brand um, with a big logo, uh, you know, producing a big logo product, is perhaps less preferable to those consumers because I want to signal that I know something and I may want to, to speak to individuals who, other few individuals who know the same thing. So now the, the logos are smaller and and uh, the brand names are perhaps much less visible. And that's another another trend. We see this and an industry executive actually told me at some point that this is a very important way that people tend to, to signal to themselves um, the, the quality and, and their own values. Um, for, for example, this person mentioned that women uh, in typically who are going through their careers, when they first start the career, they have a big job, they get this <laughs> sort of achieve this, this uh, first step in their life, and they will go and buy a handbag that, that has the logo, like this big visible logo. But as they move f- further in their career and they become more and more successful, at some point when they get to that milestone achievement, they will go and buy a follow-up handbag, and that handbag will be, again, much more of a quiet luxury that will be much less visible because the type of people that they may want to signal that they've achieved something is a different group than when they started out or they have um, a desire to signal certain achievements to, to themselves. So this idea of quiet luxury and how consumers move, how they change their patterns of consumption throughout throughout their life, throughout their the consumer life cycle is also a very interesting and an important pattern for, for managers.
1: So it also has to impact, doesn't it, the companies themselves when you're thinking about all these components going on and the message that they are trying to send out about these products, the marketing patterns that they are putting out into the public and, and the different avenues that they're trying to reach the consumer as well.
0: Absolutely. So if you think of this as segmentation, you may want to focus on different consumer segments. The the consumer who's looking for quiet luxury or the consumer who's after minimalism is going to be a different consumer. Or in terms of their luxury consumption life cycle, they will be at a different place compared to someone who's looking for the big logo item or the more sort of easily visible conspicuous uh, conspicuous items. These are, I would say, um, two important uh, trends one other important trend is, again, as we move away from materialism or consumption of material goods, we are seeking experiences. We are moving towards experiences. Uh, people are thinking that experiences are are scarce and, and they are more valuable in some ways to, to them in terms of uh, consumption value. So with that, we also see many luxury brands turn to experiences. Some luxury brands are opening restaurants. Some luxury brands are, are focusing on curating uh, holidays or, or experiences for for individuals. That is also in line with what people people are looking for or how they are looking to perhaps uh, signal their social status, seek for social mobility in life. That's another big trend that we are observing in luxury markets.
1: But it seems like that the, the growth that we have seen around luxury retail, especially in the last few years, that's something that's going to be with us for a while and maybe to a degree... This is a kind of a connection with the younger generation right now that that's that that component that they're looking for as they grow and and, and move into different segments of their lives.
0: Absolutely. So I, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think that uh, there are that many products that speak to human psychology, consumer psychology or the psychology of an entire society as luxury goods. Uh, Luxury does really tell us something about how we try to perhaps separate ourselves from others, get ahead in life, try to to increase our social mobility. It's really trying to create about trying to create opportunities for ourselves in terms of either economic benefits or or social status benefits. So in that sense, I don't expect much to change. The way that we try to signal our status or signal how we are different from others may change over time. We may be focusing more on perhaps in some case material goods, in another case experiences. In another case, perhaps we focus more on signaling or cultural capital. We want to show that we know something that others do not know. We may change the the channel or the format through which we show things about ourselves, but these are all speaking to the same psychology of, again, trying to, to signal status. And there will be price tags that are attached to it because it's hard hard for people to, to perhaps replicate or, or um, attain. So there is going to be an industry and there is going to be an industry reaction. Luxury goods are not going away as we have the bigger growing middle class in developing countries. The, the need for perhaps, again, luxury goods will continue to grow and we'll continue to see signaling. In
1: one way or another. So we talk a lot about this in the scope of the United States, but you just opened the door to the larger discussion of how this kind of aspirational mindset plays out in other countries around the globe. And and it's very similar to what we see here in the United States.
0: So there are there are some parallels and some differences. So we have seen a number of countries, especially in Asia, grow dramatically in in luxury consumption. And this is again, this has something to do with the growing middle class, growing number of individuals who now have the means to be able to signal something. And the growing society or changing society where people want to to show that they are different than others or show that they belong to a certain class. So uh these elements, I think, these human psychology or the potential benefits of why you may want to engage in in luxury consumption are are similar, but the means through which whether it's these two trends, for instance, maximalist going out the whole way, burning money. I think some of the the new markets or growing markets are still going through this phase, as opposed to minimalism, and they will probably move towards minimalism as again. These countries become, continue to become, maybe moving away from manufacturing to, to services or start valuing some of the other hard-to-achieve uh, qualities that may relate to education, that may relate to having certain careers. Uh, so we'll see these changes probably in these countries, in these markets as well.
1: Pinar, great to talk to you again. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. Pinar am Associate Professor of Marketing here at the Wharton School thank you for listening to The Ripple Effect. We hope you found this episode informative and engaging. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review so that we can continue to bring you the best insight from the Wharton School.